0: I've got a very good friend of mine. You know, it's someone that I look up to, someone who is very encouraging, has encouraged me time and again, and especially over the course of last year. uh, This, you know, it's been a joy and a pleasure to get to know this man and to get to know him even more. And uh, we've had him before, we've got him again, and we're going to have him again and again and again. And uh, it's such a joy to have Pastor Tim. Uh, with us this afternoon from Fellowship Dubai. So like we always do, why don't we just stand up and welcome him, even as he makes his way up. Thank you, brother. Bless you. I think I just might put my resignation in uh, today. I feel so at home in this place. When he asked me to... When Pastor Clinton asked me to come again, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about it, like what the date or what am I doing on this Sunday and stuff. I literally ran, got in my car, sweating to death to get over here. And I was just like, I just didn't even put the two and two together, how our services are right back to back. But it is a pleasure being with you all here today. And I just want to say some things about what Pastor Clinton and Ari talked about you know, it's very hard as ministers to talk about money, right? You know, it's like we don't like to do that. But the fact of the matter is that it is a tool of engagement that if we can get our people to engage in that area of sacrifice, then they can see God show up in their life. And what happens from that? They draw close. They see God as intimate. I remember this little old lady in uh Calcutta, India. You might remember her name, Mother Teresa. Mother was not her first name, by the way, but oh. M- Mother Teresa. And I had the privilege of working with her, and I could tell the three hours of stories of how awesome that was. But one thing I took away, one of the many things I took away from her, is giving isn't giving until it hurts. Now, that's not a monetary amount. That is, you only you can decide that. It's like, Ouch. Because a lot of times we like to say, hey, give out of your abundance. God has given us. Let's give him a small portion back. But if you want to test God, you want to see God really come through in ways that he wants to. He likes, he likes to shine himself in our life. Test him in that. And see that he will come through over and over and over again. Okay, so that'll cost you later, about 10% of that offering, okay? Well, I have no idea where to start and how to end, but I do have a word, I believe, from the, the Lord, and it's very much sunk into my heart this week. Uh, I had told Pastor Clint, I want to minister on the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, and can I just say up front, please don't zone out, Okay, because sometimes the familiar to us is the enemy to the word of God. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I did that play. I did that drama. We sing that song. I know that story. Sometimes it's the very simplest of the things that we've read over and over that God, just like his rhema word, like a jack in a box. Do you guys know a jack in a box? That little toy. Pop goes the weasel or whatever. And that's how the Word of God is. You know, it's like, okay, we're praying He shows up, and then all of a sudden, bam, I've read that a hundred times, didn't see that. Okay, so may the Lord bless us this morning with open hearts to His Word, the most powerful thing that we have. And we pray for Your presence. Without Your presence, Lord, we will be deaf, dumb, and blind. to your word, and we will just get together here on this Sunday afternoon and miss what you have for us, Lord. Help us leave here with something today in our heart to carry into this world this week. In Jesus' name, I'll, let's just dive right in. Okay. So many refer to this uh, parable as the prodigal son, but I believe it should be called the compassionate father. And if there's anything that I want us to see today, is that this father is amazing. A lot of times we focus on the wayward son, right? But the father is amazing. And the more we get an understanding of how awesome our father is, the more it will change our life. And the more we will want to be like him. We all have heroes in our life that we want to be like. And as Every Sunday, that's our job as ministers to lift up Jesus and make Him look the way He looks. So we walk out of here wanting to be like Him. So let's go to Luke chapter fifteen, verse eleven. I first planned on reading the whole parable together, but I think a majority of us know the know the the context of. And, and when I say parable, it's actually three in one. We're just going to handle. The um, the prodigal son part. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says there was a man and he had two sons. Yeah, there was a man and he had two sons, an older one and a younger one. Who's an older one in here? Who's an older brother or sister in here? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, I already know who the bossy people are in here. The perfectionists, right? The planners. How many of you are the youngest? Raise your hand. Uh Uh-huh. The youngest are usually the drama kings or drama queens. I've got five children, and that youngest one of mine, Silas, he has these looks that can just melt your heart, especially his mama's heart. Man, and he can manipulate with his face and get his way and all of that. So you have that power My son has that power, and he can go from one extreme to another. I love all five of my kids, and I tell them that often. I say, You're my favorite, you know that. You're my favorite, you know that. And you know what? I believe that just like they're all my favorite, you know, today, I believe Jesus wants to say that to you Hey, you're my favorite. You, you're my favorite. You're my favorite. You're my favorite. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you receive it? For some reason, we have a hard time sometimes because somebody else deserves that, not me. But our God, just like I love all five of my kids, it may look differently, but it's the same love he loves you. You are his favorite. And the main thing I want us to continue to see is how much his father loves these boys. They mean everything to him. This wasn't just any dad. This was the most wise father that has ever existed. He's strong, yet gentle. By the way, commercial, Gentle and Lowly. Get the book. It's beautiful if you want to see the character of God. Gentle and Lowly. I can't remember the author. But this father, he's strong, gentle, loving, humble, and committed. And you may have had a great dad, but this, this dad, this father in this text, was the greatest of all time. And some of us have not had the greatest father or mother. So I love stories, parables like this when I see the heart of the Father, because it helps me deal with maybe some of the baggage that I bring into my relationship with God. I remember my dad, he used to watch me all the time. Nothing was good enough, even mowing the yard. Even when he wasn't home, I felt like he was looking out the window. Timmy, is he watching me? When I didn't take my shoes off at the door and he wasn't even there, I could hear him in, Timmy, take your shoes off. You know, uh, you know, we got all this stuff and our dads may have been good, but this father is the best. And Luke 15 verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that's coming to me now. Now, I don't know. I'm going to break this down a little bit, but I'm going to tell you, I grew up in the U.S. in the middle of cornfields in Midwest uh, Illinois. And I'm going to tell you what, out of high school, if any of my friends that grew up on farms went and said, dad, I want you to to, to sell half of the property and I'm going to move away right now. I can tell you what would happen. You may not know, but there's these boots called red wing boots and they're steel toe. They got a you know, kick right upside, because it doesn't make any sense. And it really doesn't make any sense in this scripture either. In the culture of this day, to say that would be the equivalent of saying, dad, I wish you were dead. This is no joke. I've done a lot of study on this. I wish you were dead. I want my money now. Because it was the younger brother's responsibility to stay home, right? And some of you understand this more than I do. And they stay home and take care of the rest of the family, which makes a lot of sense to a culture that that I've been living in the last 20 years. I was in China, I was in North Africa, and now I've been here the last five years. I hear these stories. I understand them more now than I did back then. Because it was the younger brother's responsibility So the whole story is about honor and shame. And do you know the gospel is about honor and shame, dealing with honor and shame? There's three worldviews when it comes to the gospel. In the West, we work with guilt and innocent, the law. You break the law, right? You become guilty. You fulfill the law, you're innocent, right? Okay, so in an area of the Middle Eastern world, Breaking the law might not be that big a deal. Getting caught is the big deal, right? Because that brings shame on your family. And then in parts of Africa, do we have any Africans in here? Power and fear. Power and fear, okay? So so my African friends, they understand the power of God. Why do we see so many miracles in Africa? Because they believe in it. That's how God deals with it. So be careful when you hear messages that are only one-sided, especially from the West, when we're talking about guilt and innocence, they don't understand honor and shame. They don't, well, God doesn't really do miracles anymore. Hey, move to Africa and, and see that. Right? You know, and we need, and Africans are moving to America to show us something too. Praise the Lord for that. So, When this younger brother, so honor is maintaining and protecting your family's worth, value, and reputation. And by refusing to be concerned about one's honor is to be a shameless person. You're like, you don't don't care about your family? You don't care about your parents? Right?
1: So when the younger
0: brother says, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me, He is dishonoring his family so bad and bringing shame on himself. Most fathers would have been filled with anger and refusal, but this father, not like any other father. Not like any other father. He quietly gives his son what he wants, knowing good and well that it's not good for him. But he's going to have to learn that lesson. So giving him what he wants... Wouldn't have been as easy as you think. It wasn't quick cash. He didn't go to the ATM and withdraw money. It would have been tied up in a land or even livestock. So the father would have have had to go and sell. Can you imagine? He'd have to go to the community, the village, the the town square, and talk about how he's got property for sale. What's people thinking? Whoa, that's not time. Why do you have... Property for sale. What's because of my son? Shame. Shame. I didn't train my kid right. He doesn't love me. He dishonors me like this. It's heavy. Giving him what he wants wouldn't have been as easy. Because he would have to sell off Land. So the father would have go and sell the property, which would made him the talk of the town. Hey, did you hear so-and-so? He's selling so that his son can, can go off on this great adventure of rebellion. Shame on him. And then in Luke chapter 15, verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered, wasted his property and reckless living. And there's a whole bunch of ideas of what that looked like. And depending on the version that you look like, it just seems like all of the dirt, right? The gambling, the prostitutes, the the, just the easy, loose living. Who here has wasted money on stupid things? Yeah, yeah. I can count on more than one hand, and you can relate. So he goes off to far-off country, and this story is not about going to another country. as much it is it's about relationship. God is always about relationship. Yeah, we see so many laws in the Old Testament, but when you get to the New Testament, it's this God that's wanting a relationship. So all these parables have to do with relationship. So it's not about going to another country, it's about this relationship, and he's breaking this relationship off with his father. Easy come, easy go. He just walks away. I don't know if he went to, if he'd go to Dubai, you know, it'd be like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going for the Lamborghinis and bikinis. But as we all know, it all runs out sooner or later, doesn't it? If anybody wants to let me borrow their Lamborghini for a week, though, I would, I would, I would take it up on them. But it all runs out sooner or later, here or there. And really the only thing that matters is our character. So when we say, man, a million dollars, give it away, give it away, give it away. You know, this is the time to live the life that we really believe. And it's one of sacrifice. Jesus says this, if you are to come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Whoever will lose his life. We'll save it. But whoever saves his life will lose it. These are the words of Jesus. So, but he runs out. And the money runs out fast with the younger brother. And in Luke 15 14, he had spent everything. Like, that's bad enough. And then what happens? Oh my gosh. Sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin, right? When we were like, we know we're in the family of God and we walk just a little here, we open the door a little bit here, we're here, we're here, we're here, and then suddenly we're off. And right here, he's off. And what happens to make things worse? A famine hits the country and he begins to be in need. The economy wasn't what it used to be and he looked for work everywhere. He settled for a job and found himself working with what? Huh? Yeah, the pigs found himself eating with the pigs and begging to eat like the pigs and working with the pigs, which meant that he was hanging out with the people that he was taught never to hang out with, which was the Gentiles. He should have been in there in the first place. But for this younger brother, nothing was worse for his culture. Pigs carry diseases, spread filth was actually a sign of hypocrisy, saying you believe one thing and living out another. Of course, we're not under that anymore, okay? Somebody say amen. We like uh, our pork here. (laughs) But for this younger brother, nothing was worse for his culture. So can you imagine the shame that was brought upon not just him, but everybody that knew him? He lost all regard as a good family member, Probably in, he, was, he probably was embarrassed to even tell his real name because back then you could link names to certain areas of town, certain families. He probably was not even telling people his name or wanted to even mention his, da- his name because it would remind him of his dad and how good he was. He went to find freedom, pleasure, success, And now he just wants to survive. He just wants to survive. And I feel for him. As I've been there. And I'm going to tell you, I was there before I was a believer. And I've been there since I was a believer. It doesn't take much for me to go, I get a little distracted, a little distracted. And a heap of darkness comes on me. Nope, I want back. Can you relate to me? It doesn't. And the more you know, the harder it is to step out into darkness, because you have been ruined by the light. You have no chance. The Holy Spirit is sealed to the day of redemption in you. It's oh, try to have fun. sin is fun for a season, but for Christians, man, it's like a short season. And then you're like, "What am I doing?" What am I doing? What am I doing? So he lost all regard. He lost all regard. And, and, and I've and I prayed for many over the years, including myself, that it's hit rock bottom. And you think there's no way out, you know. But there is. There always is. And I want to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you today? Am I going to be judged for this? Am I in a safe place? How many of y'all have these family members in your life, maybe children, maybe a cousin that is going the route of this younger son? When I told you that I would say yes, and and God put it on me to, to give this message, I had no idea what was about to happen with my week. It's been a rough week. I lost a... One of our minister's wives, throat cancer, prayed for her. She got better. We were rejoicing and then all of a sudden died. And it was, it was a gory, just bad death. That night I get home and find out in my own home, I have one of these children right underneath my nose. That is eating with the pigs. That's living a life that I had no idea about. And I'm telling you, I'm broken still. Bringing it up today that this precious child of mine has been living a double life. And there's nothing harder on a daddy's heart. To say you're just, really you're spending your inheritance The seed of God that's within you on darkness, you're living a double life. I will say, praise the Lord. At this moment, it seems like repentance is doing its work, that she's back, you know, in, in right graces and stuff. But it will be, it'll, it'll take some time to know if that's true. And for you all here that may be experiencing somebody in your life that you love so much that have turned their backs on the teachings of Jesus. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, don't give in, don't even believe the lies, because there's power when we engage our faith, pastor clinton has been talking about faith we must believe that this is not the last page or the last chapter that there's chapters to come don't give up see your kids see your friends see your spouse see your parents through by faith faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen if we don't have nobody else has it We have it. We have faith. And where does it come from? It comes from God. It's His gift to us. And it's our place of vulnerability to where I can't control this situation. I can't push it. I can't make something happen. But the vehicle of God is prayer. And He can do what I can't do when I can't do it. He's watching our back. So this guy, Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. This guy is breaking. And now a famine. He got, we got, you, you got to understand, back in the day, they didn't have connections with the outside world. They weren't listening to BBC or CNN or Fox News or CCTV or the Internet. You know, famine just came on. And he got an idea. And in Luke 15, 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread back? But I perish with hunger. You can see he wants to go back. He's dealing with it. but, But he wants to earn his relationship back to the father. We can't earn our relationship back to the father. We can only receive it. How many of us fall in this trap? We can't earn it. We fall at the mercy of his grace to love us even when we are rebellious. And then you can see he starts rehearsing this speech. He starts going over in his head. Luke 15, verse 18. I will arise. I'm going to arise. And I'm going to go to my father and go back to my village. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just do this, Lord. Just do this, Father. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. So he makes his way back. He makes his way back home, head hanging down, entirely ejected, feeling the weight of that shame, empty handed. He didn't bring anything back home. Again, very cultural, you know what it's going. you, You guys know what it's like to go back home empty. Oh, my gosh, at the airport, I'm seeing like, what in the world are all you bringing back home You got the saran wrap wrapping around the bags and stuff like that you know that's not part of my culture it saved me a lot of money over the years but you understand you don't go back home empty handed that's dishonoring right you're showing that you really don't care about your family but this young man is going back empty handed and everyone most of you you know, you, most of you don't even visit somebody's house without bringing something, let alone returning home without some gift or money. So, have you ever felt shame like this? Have you ever been there? I know I have. Guilt and shame are different. Listen to me. Guilt says, I made a mistake, so I must confess it and get it off of my chest. That's guilt. Shame, however, is evil. Shame says, I am a mistake. So I must hide it so no one finds out. What what his walk was like back home, I have no idea, but I imagine him feeling a little bit of both of those, guilt and shame. The great scholar, Kenneth Bailey, New Testament scholar, he shares about a ceremony, and I want to go over this real fast. I could say so much about this, but it's so cool. He shares about a ceremony that his younger brother would have known about called Kazaza. Say that with me. Kazaza sit like your asian karate person kazaza okay now maybe you'll remember it but this is a ceremony when the entire village would be eagerly waiting for his return so if you picture him coming home not to be well they're there not to welcome him but to cut him off they would actually smash a clay pot of moldy seed and stuff like that in his presence and declare, everybody would say, Kazaza. And that would mean away from us. Because actually the village itself was was trying to cover the shame of the father because of the son of what he did. So you have nothing to do with us. That ceremony would take care of the shame publicly and completely. That crowd would have been yelling insults at him the whole time. This younger brother would have been shunned, if not killed, because, because he ran from the father's love, breaking that relationship and dishonoring his dad. You remember the fifth commandment is honor your father, honor your mother. So I want us to feel how bad this situation really was so so we can see how great the father's love is because he does what is indescribable. Picture him at the gate, looking, waiting for the lost son. Some of you know what it's like to wait on somebody you've been praying for for a while. And this father wants to get to this boy before the village will. He wants to stop the shame of Kazazah. Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran. I just love that picture. He ran and embraced him. King James Version says he fell on his neck and kissed him. He ran, though. He ran. You, You just don't do that in that culture. He was the patriarch of the family. He wore a nice robe. And as a patriarch of the family, he would walk with authority, not running. Not exposing his legs. That was humiliating and shameful to do that. But he ran as if to tackle this lost boy, fell on his neck, kissed him, and with his clean robe, embracing his pig smelling, dirty, bankrupt, wasted son as if there was no tomorrow. So I can imagine those that were listening to Jesus at the time were just getting emotional. And I read this. It's just it is an it's so full of emotion because he's saying something that's amazing about God that nobody's heard up to this point. This God we're speaking of, he runs. He's a run. He's a God who runs after us. He runs. He runs to the brokenhearted, And it's that embrace where repentance happens. Relationship is restored for the rebellious sinner has come home. Luke 15, 21. And the son, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, 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 and heaven. I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring the, bring the best robe and put it on my son. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this month, this son was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. You know what? The best robe was a sign of position. It was immediate demonstration of complete acceptance, approval of the love and mercy and protection of his father. The ring Conveyed authority. Long ago, presenting a ring to somebody was a sign of great affection. It's also a symbol of being placed in the office of authority. He's doing everything he can to say, you're mine. You're back in. I'm forgetting about the past. We're looking to the future. The shoes were marked. The people that went without shoes were, 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 were marked as uh, um, people that had... Shoes were marked as free men because the, the ones that didn't wear shoes were what? Slaves, servants, barefoot. But this young man was the son of a loving father, a loving God. Come home, rebellious sinner. I love you. Come home. That's always been the message. That's always been the message to us. Luke 15, now his older son was was in the field and he came and he drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe. And this guy, the older brother, got angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. Entreated him means begged earnestly, come in, come in. But his, he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat, a young goat and, that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he's devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, son, now listen. If you can't see yourself in each one of these characters, then you're missing something. Son, you have always with me. You're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. This bolder brother has turned into a religious man. And not a follower of Jesus's heart. Eating together. The older brother didn't get in. He rejected hospitality from his father in front of everyone. Making it a huge embarrassing scene which which would have brought more shame on. And the father, he could have been like, fine, have it your way, get out. But instead, he embraced again the dishonor and shame. This is our father. He stood there patiently pleaded, son, you've always been mine. Everything I have is yours. Let's celebrate. I remember what it was like to be born again. And the church, I was so radical. The church didn't know what to think. And they're looking at me going, I'm watching you. Baseball coach, teachers, ex-girlfriends, ex-girlfriends, dads. (laughs) I'm watching you. I'm like, man, my life has been changed and nobody will believe it. And you know what? There's been seasons now, after 20 years, that's become me. Hmm, I don't know. I'm not proud of it. Is he real? Is she real? Our God believes all things. And so, eating together is how communities formed. And for him not attending this feast was a grave insult. John Ortberg writes, One of the hardest things in the world is to stop... Get this, okay? Get this. Everybody with me still? John Ortberg writes, One of the hardest things in the world is to stop being the young rebellious brother without turning into the older, self-righteous, religious brother. But God's love is towards both of them. Both sons break relationship. One failed to fulfill expectations of the family culture, right? Ran away. And the other, the older brother, breaks his relationship while fulfilling those same expectations. Interesting, isn't it? It just exposes this idea in all of us that we can come to church We can even learn how to pray. You know, there's ways of praying that you're really not connecting with God. I have to focus on trying to connect with God because I know so many ways to pray. I have to focus on really being holy and set apart because there's so many ways. That I can look holy and miss it. And do we have that picture up here? Okay, this is a famous painting called uh, The Prodigal Son. This is done by a guy named Rembrandt. Wherever you are right now, you may and I pray that you find yourself in one of these characters. Are you an older brother? Are you an older brother or are you a younger brother right now? That, oh my gosh, nobody's called me out on this. I haven't read this story for a long time. I've actually been slipping away from the Lord. I'm living a double life. It happened right under my nose in my house. It can happen here. And nobody will know until it's too late. And it changes your life so much, and you have to deal with the issues of sin that begets sin that begets sin. Or maybe you're the older brother and you've just gone through the motions. But there's no intimacy. And the father says, man, it's always been yours. Faith, it's always been yours. All that I have has always been yours. And I've also felt like, especially this week, I felt the father. Now you can't, the father's feeling towards both of the sons, I love I love you the most. You're my favorite son. No, you're my my favorite son. You're my favorite dog. You're my favorite dog. You know, but what I love the most is in this original picture, which is hard to see right now, the focus of the whole painting is on the father's hands. So you see the older brother, you see the prodigal with the shaved head, the pig smelling. Okay, and then you see the father and his look and his the light is going all towards the hands, the hands of God, the hands of God. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to come and die, to walk the earth, to heal, make the sick well again, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind speak, But he, all of that, all those miracles and all those great teachings to do one thing, keep it real, keep it real keep it real. Listen to me. Let this be a prophetic message, whatever you want to call it. But the Lord's word for today and he's used the prodigal son in Luke 15. God is saying keep it real. Young man, keep it real. Young lady, keep it real. Don't don't settle for second best. So this moment I want if you have the courage and you think, you know what, I've just, I've, I am the older brother. I'm an the older, you can be a woman being the older brother. You understand that. I'm the older brother and I want prayer. Just go ahead and stand up. Older brothers in the room. Older brothers. Older brothers. older. Bro- Come on, have some courage. I'm standing. I'm not sitting. Amen, 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 amen. You know, the first sign of victory is getting out of denial. Now I want to speak to you younger brothers or sisters. Are you wayward? Have you been living double lives? This is the time. Again, we're in the house of the Lord. No shame, just as we've seen the Father. He loves you. We love you. This church loves you. If you're a younger brother, younger sister, go ahead and stand. Let's believe God for a change. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. More. Yes. More. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I know we're running out of time, so just receive this prayer. Just extend your hand like this. Lord, there's no love like your love. Father, there is no father like you. There's no one in the heavens nor the earth like our God that loves the proud and arrogant, self-righteous older brother that has just made it the motions of devotions and have lost the understanding of your heart being in your home where everything belongs to us that belongs to you. So God... We also lift up the younger brothers and sisters that has somehow just allowed sin to slip into their life and live in double lives, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus that ties, are cut off right now. Chains are broken, Lord God, that they would feel the embrace of you, Father God, melting away their sin, taking their shame and their fear and their guilt off of their life, Lord. God, I pray for families to be restored, younger brother, older brother, that they would come together and we would come together with them And we would celebrate. And we will not be legalistic, religious people that condemn people and try to keep them out of the family. We will not be going kazaza, but we will be opening up our arms to this community here in Dubai, here, near, and far away, that hope is what it stands for. This church is what it stands for. It's a place of hope. And as we receive new, fresh hope, Hope today of your love, Father, your acceptance that we would take it out this week into this world, Lord. Transformation. Transformation. I remember having a lunch with a guy named Brennan Manning, and he said this. He said, This is not in the Bible, by the way, but he said to me, he said, I'm convinced on that last day and that day of judgment, the Bema Seat of Christ, I'm going to ask you one thing. God's going to ask you one thing. Did you really believe? Did you really believe that I loved you? That's what it's all about. And as we receive that love, We can love other people for the glory of God and the kingdom advancing here at Hope in this family and have a ripple effect in Jesus' name, amen.